Welcome to The Casual. My name is Josiah, and I'm here with my co-host, Mikey. This podcast is all about talking through interesting topics, possibly with interesting people. We sometimes keep it light, and other times we get more controversial. But don't worry, for the most part, we like to keep it casual. Thanks for listening. Hello. I like the way you slide those sliders. It is pretty smooth, huh? Yeah, it just... Butter. Feels good. It just feels like butter. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have uh, we have a guest on today. The most eloquent man I know, and it's not Gilbert. The most eloquent man that I know. Gilbert's not the most eloquent man you know. No, he's not. I'm gonna tell John Hall you said that. This is the most eloquent man I know. Fair enough. And I and I, and I, and I can stand by that. Would you like to introduce yourself, eloquent individual? Uh, sure. My name is uh, Braden. I'm a friend of your hosts here on the Casual. Um, that is partially you, true. You don't have to say your last name. I don't think I've ever said my last name. Yeah, I don't think I've said mine either. Yeah, we can um, we'll, we'll believe it or something. <laughs> you know, after after you talk about how you know stalkers, after you talk about how college is funded, I don't want them at true. your door. You know, yeah, what I'm saying? they might come after the, you. Uh, China might assassinate me. You know, mm-hmm. who yeah. knows? You know, this world's going crazy. Did you hear about what happened in 2020? No, I I don't know bro. about anything that happened in 2020. <laughs> crazy stuff, bro. <laughs> What happened? Look, it's too this this this. That's not the subject of this podcast. I can go on forever, but uh, it was a crazy year. Really? Yeah. Good for good for some. Would you not like so to, good for uh, others? But you know, would you like to? Uh, you can tell us an anecdote about twenty twenty. Yeah, or is it too much for an anecdote? No, I mean I can I can probably pick one out. Oh okay. We'll do um, that. We'll do that. So when when do I start after the music? Okay, gotcha. All right. Um, I guess I'll go first. Um, so it was 2020. We, um, we had to stay at home, had to quote unquote. Really? Yeah. So I had to stay at home for work. Right. Oh. And, um, or basically they said work from home. So I had to come to the office, didn't stay at home. But Wait, why? Oh, because there was a, you know, a virus, a pandemic happened. All this really? other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, um, when was this? This was actually this particular story happened around March or April. So about a year ago when everything first hit. Right? Oh, okay. So <clears throat> this was like springtime and um, these days were beautiful. And so I'm going outside. And so we went to go skate, right? And so uh, one of my friends, not going to name his name, but we were popping ollies and uh, couldn't pop a ollie. He got very upset and uh, from, he didn't he didn't skate again. I haven't seen him skate since then. Talking about Gilbert? I'm not going to name names, but... He was hurt, and uh, yeah, he hurt his ankle. Yeah, and um, and he was upset that you and I were ollie and all over the place. Yeah, so I don't think this was March particularly, but it was around that time. No, yeah, I think it was a little, it was, it was a little later, but I think it was probably before Tyler got there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, that was a good period of time. Yeah, it was during the the lockdown. So moral: if you can't pop ollies, bro, just, just keep trying. Yeah, just keep yeah, don't trying. give up. Don't give up, even if your ankle's broke. Yeah, and you're a little top heavy. Yeah, you know. Like date up until you're even. I don't know. When you're that buff, it's kind of hard to. Yeah. Go ahead. So I've been a. Oh, wait. Hold on. <clears throat> Anecdote. You got to say that. Remember? Well, I say that. that it's a thing we do. Uh, anyways. um, I've been a. Wow. Okay. You can't <laughs> you spill water on yourself, huh? Just gonna no, do that. Tell your story. Okay. My wife has decided to have a business. That is besides her regular job, 
that is to make shirts. And so we've been making lots of shirts. We have made, because I'm, you know, I'm trying to be a good husband, helper out and all that. We made four shirts uh, two days ago. And then last night, my little sister's basketball team all made little tie-dye shirts and we put stuff on them. And it's like 400 kids. Not really. It's like, I think there was like 10. But it's still a lot, bro. Because you got to do, you got to do front, back, and then put a number on the back. And it's a lot of stuff. And we did all these shirts last night. And I was like really tired when I got home. And she was like, oh man, I got to make these shirts. And I was like, I, I, I want to play Minecraft, but I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to help her. And I did. But it was it was long. So you felt like how those uh, child laborers feel? Yeah. In yeah, Vietnam, I felt like... In Vietnam. I felt like... I, but I had a choice. So... I'm sure they have a choice. Yeah, they have a choice. They have a choice. They could choose between mm. that or, or dying or something like that. <laughs> yeah. See, mine was a little different. So you... It, yeah, no, that's about the right... That's about what it is. That's about right. So your entire anecdote was you complaining about doing work and then bragging yeah. about yourself being a great husband because you did that work. See, you see, you see where it's... Correct. You see where it's... <laughs> All right. No, I, I just wanted to make sure I understood. No, so the, these anecdotes are just like... What has been happening? You know, it could be something, a story. It could be what's going I th- on in I your think, life. I think, I think you're on, you're, on, you're on target. To be honest, nothing else in my life has gone abnormal recently. Everything's just been very normal, except for we just did a bunch of shirts recently. So that's all I had. At least you made money. See? No, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, dude, if she's going to make money like that, like, go get your nails done, you know? I'm, I'm proud of my capitalist woman. Hard work. She's a very hard worker, though. Like she, she'll go like can't tell can't. You know what I'm saying? Can't tell can't. Can't tell can't. Gotcha. Yes, it can't. Gotcha. You know, I don't think I'm familiar with that phrase. Could you explain that, please? So you go from when you can go, like when you wake up, until you cannot any longer work. Oh, okay. So like then you go just to sleep. Faint from exhaustion. Exactly. I catch her and put her in bed. All right. Your, your turn. Anecdote. All right. So. My anecdote is also about the virus that you mentioned okay, earlier. Okay. Mikey. Yeah, the novel, the novel mm-hmm. virus. Yes. <laughs> so um, this was probably this was back when we had that b- bad freeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, Tyler, my house, I lost power, um, and my heater broke like right away, uh, and so I I left my house and didn't co- go back to my house for like several days. And me and Tyler and Gilbert were uh, were all living together. We kind of moved around a little bit, but. <laughs> One thing that we did was we went to a gas station once because uh, we were like needing food and most of the grocery stores were the lines were super long. And so we just kind of wanted like some snacks and some drinks. So we went to uh, to like a gas station and we had this was when the mask mandate was still in effect for uh, for future listeners who may not have a time reference on it. But uh, so everybody's supposed to be wearing a mask in public buildings. And of course, you know, we uh Innocently had innocently. I'm doing air quotes with my fingers for those who can't see. Uh, we had forgotten our masks, right? Yeah. And and and, and sincerely, you know, we, we can talk about masks if you all want to, but I really had forgotten my mask. Like I, I just really wasn't thinking about it. You know, I can only handle one disaster at a time. Yeah, so I yeah. can do I can do COVID or over, I can do over. freeze, but I can't do COVID and freeze. So anyway, we, we were in this gas station and. I'm getting a drink like out of the soda fountain, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for the lids and I can't find them anywhere. And I'm like, hey, Tyler. And I, and he's already in line about to check out. And I'm like, hey, Tyler, where are the lids? 
And a lady behind Tyler in line who's wearing a mask, she points to the left of the soda fountain and says, they're over there where you've been coughing. I hadn't been coughing, right? I, I, but I wasn't wearing a mask because she was making some snide comment about me not wearing a mask, right? And so she's like, they're over there where you've been coughing all over everything. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, all right, whatever. Did you find the lid? Yeah, I found the lids. And uh, and I so I got my lid. I gave it to Tyler. He was going to buy it for me. I was just going to vent one back. And so after we check out, uh, we're like going to get our stuff because we like we left our backpacks at the door. And so we're picking up our backpacks and this lady walks up to the front counter and she like, you know, puts her drink up on the counter and then she turns or she talks to the guy and she's like, and give me a pack of Pall Malls. And she buys a whole pack of cigarettes. And I'm just thinking about it and I'm like, you know, this lady's like, uh, like super self subconscious uh, or super self-conscious about, you know, me not wearing a mask that she like decides to make like a snide comment when I wasn't even talking to her. Yeah. Right. And then she pulls up to the counter and buys a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. And it just made me think about like, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, whatever you think about buying, ma- about wearing a mask, you know, uh, you should think about and really consider what you're actually like exposing yourself to in terms of danger on a day to day basis. Cause if you're wearing a mask, cause you're afraid of a virus, right. You know, you, you probably give that a lot of thought and you're like, man, I really don't want to catch this virus cause it might kill me. When in, in likelihood, you know, you probably get in your car and drive down the street and don't give it a second thought. Yeah. When in reality, the latter of those two things has a much higher likelihood to kill you. Yeah. The likelihood that, that a person in our age group that is, you know, uh, 18 to 29 or whatever, in that age group uh, is going to get killed in the car accident is way, way higher than the likelihood that we're going to get killed by the coronavirus. Right. And it just kind of goes to show that people, you know, it's... It's a the their what the decisions that they make about what they're afraid of is much less based in logic and it's much more based in just emotion and kind of uh, you know sensationalism of what is talked about a lot and not really what's actually actually dangerous. That was beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. The most eloquent man I know. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's the thing, though. Um, do you know the definition of an antidote? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. No, that was beautiful. no, go ahead. Define anecdote for me. So basically, it's like a little story that doesn't have a more, like a point to it. That is not the definition of an anecdote. It's not necessarily. It's not necessarily. It's, it's not. The, it's a connotation. It's, yeah, it kind of. It, it can be. Not the connotation. It, it can be like it's. It was just like a random. That was a random. You know, it was like kind of like that. That's how I see yeah. it. Yeah. But the actual definition is not that. It's it's just a story. It's just a story. We'll look into it. Look he's, into he's, yeah, he's I'll look into it. it. But but I'm very much you don't have to look into it right now. I don't want to be wrong. Anecdote, like on, on a, a short, amusing, or interesting story about a real incident or person. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But a lot of people use it just like, oh, just some random stuff or whatever. Yeah, that was pretty random. I thought. That's was, not, that's yeah, not, that was that was good. That's not my you. definition. You, of you've actually in the history of anecdotes. That's probably the best one. That's probably the best one I've ever heard. Yeah. On this show. For sure, so, for um, sure. We're gonna get you the plaque. Um we're gonna get that oh, made yeah. here pretty soon. Yeah. Okay. And um We'll, we'll send that over to you. It'll say best anecdote. Or it might just be a piece of wood. With no, the, we're going to get a plaque. What are we going like, to, like, commission a plaque? Anyways, anyways, on to the subject. Um, Can we afford a plaque? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much money have y'all made? With don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. This is, don't worry about that. I can check. No, don't worry about that. All right. Have y'all broken two quarters? We're not gonna. We're not gonna. We talk. have. We have broken two. We're quarters. not gonna talk numbers on this show. Okay. Right, my bad. Sorry. Okay. That's not. That's not. That's not casual. It's not appropriate. I'll show you okay. so that you can know. 
Um, so we're talking oh, about today. Very cool. See ya. We're talking about today. We um, could buy several gumballs. Um, higher education. Yes. Colleges. Colleges. Universities. Um, universities, as they're also called. Um, Indeed. In most of the world, they're called universities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they call them in sign language. Sign language. They have a sign, and they say, this is university. They don't say, this is college. <laughs> anyways. Um, what? Was that funny, Mike? Anyways. Um, so... As we, as we, you know, you don't think of it like this, but these are businesses. Yes. Um, and every business needs cash flow to survive. Like we need blood to survive. Every business needs cash flow. How that is obtained is all different for, you know, each different business, each different university as well. You know, some are funded certain ways than others. So um, are you, you going to go over that with us? Yeah, I, I've, uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. It's something that I'm definitely very interested in as somebody who made the decision to go to college. And not that everybody that makes that decision to go to college does know or is aware of this, but um, what you said to start us off, that co- that universities are businesses, that is so key to understanding universities, how they function, because that's exactly what they are. They are billion-dollar businesses that have you know a lot of advantages over other businesses. So the, the thing that a lot of people have, and that's a misunderstanding a lot of people have, they don't think of colleges as businesses. They think them, of them as service institutions or governmental institutions, which, institutions, which in some cases and in, some, and in a lot of ways they are, but in a lot of ways they are not. This, we still, you know, despite what a lot of people want or may think, we still live in a very capitalist country. Um, and we still, you know, everything that operates with money, uh, at, unless it's a bureaucracy, which we'll get into, uh, unless it's a bureaucracy, you know, the bottom line is what's important. And so for public and private universities, the only thing that really matters at the end of the day for them is the bottom line is, uh, is exactly is, is, is how much money they can make. Let's talk, let's go a little bit back into history, just give some context to this problem, or maybe not, maybe you don't view it as a problem, but um, there are certainly some things that are problematic about it. So first of all, do either of y'all know how most people can afford college? Loans. Loans. Yeah. Student loans. So, okay, think about loans not in the context of going to college. Who can get a loan? People with good credit scores, uh, with a solid job, mm-hmm. some money down. Yeah, maybe some collateral. Yeah, yeah, definitely some evidence of assets. Does that sound like the typical high school graduate? Not at all. No. So no. how in the world can an 18-year-old get a loan for college? I know, like some stuff is government backed. Yes, that uh, that is that is the entire answer yeah. right there. The reason, the <laughs> only reason, the only reason that people can get loans to go to college that are eighteen years old that have no credit, have no job history, have no current job, have no assets. The only reason is because the federal government, one hundred percent unequivocally, backs their loan. Yeah, if they default on it, the federal government pays the university. Side so, note. That kind of upset me because, not upsets me, because like, bro, that's tough. Because like, let's say that there's a house and it's like dumb cheap, which is like, like let's let's say let's say it's a six hundred thousand dollar house that's now four hundred thousand, right? Or let's say even let's use just even smaller numbers. How much do you, let's say some universities are, let's say thirty thousand a year, and then times four is one hundred twenty thousand. Let's say it's a hundred twenty thousand dollar house, but you can't buy it, right? But then somebody can get pretty much a hundred twenty thousand dollar loan. At eighteen years old, and just like just get it, go to college for two. You know years. what I'm saying? Yeah, 
that's that's kind of how I see it. Anyways, uh, yeah, I think the idea with that is that if they go to college, hopefully they'll be, you know, responsible enough adults to get pay enough money to pay them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, that's the assumption. The assumption on the government's part, and well, this may not be as much of an assumption as kind of a unhappy accident, uh, and we'll talk about that in a second. But the assumption is that. You know, these people are getting an education, so surely after their four years, they're going to get a job that will easily allow them to pay back their loans, right? Right? Right. 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 <laughs> now They do okay. not account for liberal arts majors. Mm, yep. Mm. Those like me in the communication degree. Mm. Yeah. But that was so, a little sussy right there. <laughs> that was good. I was going to about to mention it, but I'm glad you called yourself out. Thank you. You're the, you're the problem. That's basically his point. Yes. Well, here's the thing, though. I will have a job. And also... That's the assumption. I mean, I do have a job. Anyways. Anyways, so let's get back to how this how this all started. So why in the world did um, the federal government decide to just tell all these young, immature people, children, basically, legal adults, but ba- basically children, uh, that they could borrow hundreds of thousands of dollars to go waste four years of their life basically partying. I know that now before somebody gets angry and leaves an angry review in the show notes, I understand that that is not um, how most people view college, but it is how a lot of people view college and, and treat college. <clears throat> Joke's on you because we have zero reviews. And so if we got uh, one review, I would be happy. Yeah. Do we really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, talking about like real reviews? Or are we talking about like. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Matters not. Like people on my like, hey, go review the show. Oh, I don't know if you're doing that. I've told that to like one oh, I didn't know one that. person. Okay, never mind. So if there's if there's like if there's like three reviews. I guess my life is just a lie. If there's like at least three reviews, then then at least one of them is organic. You know, because it could be a real review, even if it's not or if I'm like, hey, go review the show. Because I didn't tell them what to put. Yeah. But you know, it was encouraged to give us a good review. So why do why do they do that? So it's uh, the reason is okay. So you remember the Vietnam War? Yep. So in the Vietnam War, uh, eighteen-year-olds, <laughs> you know, went to basic training and then took a boat, you know, over the Pacific Ocean, and and then they went and died, right? Yeah. In in droves, and so D-day. kids. Mm-hmm, sorry. D Day. That, that was it. Was? No, that was it. World War Two. Oh yeah. That was yeah. War II. See, I'm getting my wars mixed well, up. Well, actually, so you don't remember the Vietnam War? <laughs> well, I you do. were lying. No, no, because my grandfather actually fought in that thing. My grandfather but, um, fought in World War Two. He's a flying tiger. Your grandfather? My great grandfather. Oh, about to say, I'm like, what? Nah, he's pretty cool though. He's actually a super cool guy. Um, he died in 2007. Yeah, I just Good remember man. seeing that movie or seeing the beginning of that movie. Uh, was Saving Private Ryan. Anyways, mm-hmm. not gonna talk about that. That's really sad. Anyways, go ahead. Um, actually, though, technically, there is a D-Day in, uh, or actually multiple D-Days in uh, the Vietnam War, because D-Day, actually, all it, even though we use that colloquially to refer to, you know, the, a single, the Normandy invasion, Operation Overlord, uh, it actually just refers to the D, kind of, like, D-1 minus is, like, the day before they disembark on a piece of land. So yeah. D-Day is just the day that they disembark on a piece yeah. of land. D actually doesn't stand for disembark. Technical term. It's just a, yeah, it's, it's a it's a military term. Anyway, so uh, in the 60s, right, politicians are like, man, these kids, this this is like their stump speech. You know, they, they're talking about like completely free college now. Back then they were talking like, we need to guarantee, you know, education is a human right. That's They've been saying that since the 60s. Wow, I did not know right? that. 
and these politicians are saying, you know, we need to guarantee these, you know, if these kids can go to Vietnam and die for their country. They should be able to get a loan to go to college and live the American dream, right? And so they promised college to people. And of course, you know, in 1971, uh, I think it was the 26th Amendment that was ratified that lowered the voting age to 18. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is their constituency that they're trying to, trying to you know, care for. It's, it's just like how you see a lot of politicians pandering to immigrants that aren't full citizens, you know, even though that's not a constituency. Those people aren't going to vote for them right now. Yeah, but right? eventually. Eventually, that, that's what they're trying to push towards yeah. is they, they wanted that, that to be part of their constituency. And so they're, they're even pandering to that as a base. But anyway, so uh, they passed in something in uh, 1965, the Federal Family Education like uh, Funding Program or law or something. It's a program, basically. That's what we call it now. It had a different name back then. But that's the law that basically said, if you get a loan from the bank, uh, and back then it, it worked a little bit differently, uh, but it's basically said if a student goes to college and gets a loan from a bank for college, the federal government will back up that loan. And if they default on the loan, the federal government will pay the bank anyway. Yeah. And so, of course, banks and universities like looked at each other and were like, bet. Like, bet, <laughs> exactly. And so they were like, well, you know, let's, let's, we're being, uh, filming or not filming, recording this podcast in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Let's use a, an example from insurance, right? If the federal government suddenly told you, Josiah, that every policy you sell, uh, it, they're just going to pay for every policy that you sell. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to call out any carriers in particular, but you would probably give them the most expensive policies that possible, right? Yes. Yeah, of course well, you no, would. No, well, I don't know. It depends on the coverage. Yes, you would. Because no, you would. No, it wouldn't matter about the coverage. Because, yeah. No, it, would, it would matter about the coverage because no, we because have morals to uphold. Well, let's say, let's say I want liability most or full insurance coverage. Com- if you want one. If I, if, if I can use either go liability or full coverage, one will be more expensive than the other. You give me full, not liability. No, not just liability. Well, no, because you also want property and all that stuff. Well, I'm saying from a car. Say from our car, I, I yeah, you, get you want full or liability. You would give me full. You need both. Okay, we, we don't have to make it this technical, but my, <laughs> my point is is that is that if I understand, maybe you wouldn't. No, you have we wouldn't. Okay. We wouldn't give no thirty, sixty, twenty five, or nothing like that. But we would give some like we would give better coverages. But I mean, we would give what, what is <laughs> okay. necessary. All right. So now, most <laughs> to be fair, most people don't have the the morals that the Rollo Insurance does. Okay. Yes. The Rollo way. No, but, but for real though, that is something that's like important to to Rollo. It's like the that we're not gonna mess you over. You know, we're gonna. Treat yeah. you right, right? Okay. Just saying, I can't. I can't be dishing on <laughs> on right. Rollo. Well, I, it, was it a actually is. It, it actually is very good. Yes, but most insurance okay, companies. Who is your main competitor then? Who's my main? Um, who can who can I trash or theoretically trash? Let's let's just let's not do that. Let's just let's just All say right. so let's X insurance company. Right. Yes. <laughs> insurance company. Uh, let's right. We'll bleep that out too. Or <laughs> um, let's say that I'm you know, if 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 the Government is going to back up, you know, these. if they're going to say, hey, we're going to cover the cost of every single insurance policy that you sell, right? Of course, you're going to sell people the most expensive policies that have the most coverage. Because it's covered. Because it's, yeah, you're, they're not paying for it. I'm not having to pay for it. The government's going to guarantee it. Yep. It's free money, right? And so, of course, it makes sense that universities are going to raise tuition prices because the students aren't having to make the, the conscious choice to really pay for it in the moment. You know, they're 18 years old. They don't understand the value of money. They're just going to go ahead and be like, yeah, sure. $120,000 in debt. Yeah, that's not a big deal. I'll do it. I can go to college and live for four years. Right. So tuition, you see, and and literally tuition never, it it stayed at the level of inflation until this law was passed. And as soon as this law was passed, 
right in this in the in the late sixties, early seventies, you saw a precipitous rise in tuition prices. And since then, since this law was passed, literally since since this law was passed, I mean, you can look at the days, you can look at it graphed, uh, you know, by time. Since the law was passed, it's like the line where the law was passed, and it's just a straight shot up. It has tuition has I think it's four times the rate of inflation that tuition has ro- risen at. So, you know, tuition is getting more and more expensive. Why? Because governments are guaranteeing that they will pay for students students twi- students tuitions for their loans. Yeah, it's um, kind of like um. Like medical stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, Like exactly. hospitals pay this much because they know the insurance will cover it. Yeah. It's exactly the See, same there thing. There you yeah. go. There you go. So now we can trash hospitals. Pick yeah, a, man. Pick a, pick a hospital. A, pick one. St. Jude's. I, I, I don't know. St. St. Jude's no, does I'm just kidding. Stuff. I'm just kidding. Just disclaimer. I'm kidding. Bro, you, you obviously haven't seen the St. Jude's commercials. Oh, yeah. You haven't. So, yeah. My so bad. you probably shouldn't say that. Okay, my, yeah. My bad. I that's, that's, uh, that's a bad look. And they, they know your name, bro. <laughs> Anyway, but so back to the universities, our businesses, right? So they had, you know, increasing tuition and now they've got this much larger pool of students that are applying to colleges because they can, right? So what are, what are they going to do? Well, are we going to market our, our educational programs and all the good reasons why you should come to college? No, because all these kids that, you know, don't care as much about that because they're not really having to pay for college themselves don't really care about that. What do they care about? Having a good time. Having a good time, exactly. So mm. you see uh, also at the same time a precipitous increase in spending on things like big football stadiums. I should probably say that quieter because in this town that could get you that could get you uh, that could get you hurt. No, we, we talked have, about it first episode. We have the largest I college I think we have the largest college football stadium here in town at Kyle Field. Oh, in town, of course. Yeah. And and well, so <laughs> Yeah, I mean well, that's I not, mean, that's not, not mean. No, we have the largest in the world in the in the country in town. I think that it's, I think that it is. Oh, like second. I think that it was number one for a while, but then somebody re- recently beat it out. So it's like number two. It's easily top top five. Oh, for sure. Easily. For sure. Well, especially when, okay, no, actually, I, I remember when they were making renovations, they brought it up to like 110,000 and they like put some like temporary seats in just so they could beat the record. And then they pulled it back down to like 105 or something like that. Where they put the temporary seats? Floor? I don't know. No, they were just like they. I mean, they were seats. They put them somewhere. Yeah. They weren't like fold out chairs. They were like. Oh, I thought they were like. Bolted in know, in everybody but. bring in the bring in the metal little things. <laughs> yeah, like the soccer fields. Out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the bleachers. Yeah, I don't know where they put them, but honestly, remember, you think they can make some money if they just brought bleachers on the on the field? Probably, they could probably make a lot of money. Although you have to screen everybody walking in there. Anyways, what kind of numbers are we looking at? Uh, I think we're sitting at number four right now, actually. Number four? Who's That's what it said, but it said Michigan State was number one and, like, Ohio State, but let me look, bring it back up. Well, either way, it's, it's, it's up there. Yeah, it's it's definitely very, very large. Yeah. Anyway, I'm yeah, so it's, it's mis- this is just some random thing from NCAA. Uh, it's Michigan, then Penn State, then Ohio State, and then Texas A&M with Battlefield. Yep. So. And what, what are the numbers on that? Look for a second. Okay, well, that's, that's not that. Yeah. Big deal. Really anyway, is. but my point is, is that you know, amenity spending on amenities precipitously increased at the same time. So, you know, you saw that increase uh, because they were trying to draw in more students. So, in that sense, you know, you have a ton, just I mean, tons of students walking to these schools, and now they're getting more and more money in tuition. 
And what's another thing? So what what is one thing that churches and universities have in common? They take churches donations. Is, churches in the broad sense. Okay, yes, they take donations. That's actually not where I was going, but that is my next point. Mm-hmm. So, yes, donations. If we actually pull up. Alumni be pouring in millions. Especially A&M. Oh, for sure. That, that was like a lot of what funded uh, the um, the stadium, yeah. Actually, interestingly, most alumni donations at A&M do not go to the university. What do they get? To? They go to like a sports program. 12th Man Foundation. Oh, you know yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. You know what? You're right. And Yo, they, they, they're a big deal, bro. Yeah, that, I, I had a big deal. I had that sticker on the back of Old Blue because mm. my dad went to like some they sort have of thing. Their, they the have sticker. their fingers in like everything, bro. Yeah, for real. Especially here. Yeah, they. Uh, that's that's another interesting way that colleges deal with money. And uh, and, and that, that's a whole other podcast in itself. We got the financials pulled up. I yeah, like so this. this is the, I'm, so for those of uh, our listeners uh, who are listening after the fact and not the three of us in this room, what I'm looking at right now, and anybody can access this, it's the executive budget summary for Texas A&M University. So here, what I'm looking at is their revenues, their expenditures, and then kind of the percentages of that. So I'm going to be we're going to be referencing the year 2018. Uh, just for clarity, they're pretty much all very similar, but uh, we'll be specifically looking at 2018. So, what do you think makes up the largest single proportion of the revenue of the university? I gotta say, sports. So, no, but not because sports doesn't make a lot of money. Oh, I guess because tuition it, then. Oh, you said largest like this is how they make money? Oh, largest single revenue. Well, then probably just tuition then. Yeah, tuition and fees. It makes up about 30% of their revenue. Um, so what do you think the second most, uh, the second largest? Then I would say sports. Then. Or donations. It's actually state appropriations. Oh. Um, yeah, state funding. So these multi-billion dollar businesses, right, they're already just off tuition. It's a billion dollar business, right? Just off tuition. Yeah. But then, you know, they say, oh, you know, they, the government is already guaranteeing them billions, literally billions of dollars in tuition by backing student loans. And they also go to the government and say, hey, we really need a lot of money. You know, these universities, they they want tuition backed by the government. They want direct funding from the government. And another thing that universities and churches have in common, neither of y'all know what it is, has to do with the government as well. Oh, they don't take taxes? They don't pay any taxes. Really? Yes. Colleges don't pay taxes? Universities are ironclad tax exempt. They're not only tax exempt on their tuition and fees, they're exempt on their donations. They're exempt. I know that. They're exempt on their sponsorships. Their real estate is tax free. <laughs> All <laughs> their you're telling tell me they don't pay t- property taxes? They don't pay property taxes. Wow. Bro, I think I'm going to start a university in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a school. <laughs> universities are a very, very lucrative business because they don't pay taxes. They pay. In fact, they pay negative taxes because the federal the government gives them money, federal and state government. Negative taxes. That's basically what appropriations is: is negative taxes. You're just the government's giving you free money, and their revenue, their main source of revenue, is backed up by the federal government. Wow! This is how universities um, make a lot of money. It's easy to be like mad at that, but. Honestly, good, good on them. That's yeah. a good. That's honestly, a, honestly, that's a hey, that's you, impressive. You have an applaud. You have an applaud. Uh, I, I think I do effect. actually. Hold on one second. Look, Let's see we here. need Let's that. See Let's see here. You know, for all yeah. the universities, you know, what I'm saying, <laughs> good <laughs> job. You know, Woo. you know, the American dream. You know, building up a business. You know, I, I, you got to show some respect. You know, what I'm saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all respect there. I should use these things more often. 
I mean, I guess I guess you can you can ask about morals and you know ethics. <laughs> who's that's, really, see, who's that's, really asking? That's not a part of the American. Who's dream. really asking? You know. Anyway, yeah. so another way that colleges make money is from foreign nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so four percent, and this may not seem like a lot, but uh, it actually comes out to be millions of millions and millions of dollars just for. Does it say specifically what foreign nation? So. It doesn't on this executive summary, but, and we'll talk about this in just a second, but um, since I think 1965, the same year that they passed the law that uh, required, that, that allowed, the, that forced the federal government to basically back up student loans, they passed another law that said that all universities had to disclose all donations from foreign, from yeah. foreign countries, which that law, everybody, virtu- every single university in the country virtually ignored for three and a half decades, right? In fact, two years ago, um, up until, well, two years ago, the Department of Education launched an investigation into Texas A&M University for not disclosing all of their foreign donations. Mm. Uh, countries, and, and, and I, uh, for some reason, I, d- I don't know exactly why this is, uh, but countries that have the worst human rights records and, and have the worst human rights violations are the ones that give the most money. Yeah. You've got China, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, uh, Russia. These are the cu- the countries that give the most money, literally billions of dollars uh, to universities. Why do foreign countries give so much money to universities? See, because they promote socialism. <laughs> yeah. Ah, we figured it out. We figured it out. Woo. Yeah. No, it's actually for, uh, and I'm doing air quotes for the listeners who can't see, but research oh, okay yeah i have a t- i have a teacher right now who literally I like the first one better i have a teacher right now who literally began the class by saying i'm gonna teach all marxism yeah i like i like our first in one america better, you know research you know. anyway that that is a whole nother bear in and of itself and there's a great documentary called covert cash um and it's it talks about foreign nations giving to universities and and what all it uses it's a lot worse in uh in like ivy lake schools than it is in state schools but um it still exists here. Um, but anyway, so let's talk about research for a little bit. So what is research? Like, as y'all understand it, what is research? Wow, as y'all understand it. Y'all, Look, smile, y'all small-minded people, what is no, research? No, 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 I just mean as... <laughs> a little as, offended. <laughs> I don't mean... I, most people don't know tech, in a technical way what research at a university really is. So for those of you, for the two of you who are not involved, myself included, in college research, what do you think research is? I would just say uh, I've already been plugged. I've already been plugged by the uh, of a class called research and or analyzing research methods, analyzing and collecting and analyzing data. Okay, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, that's what it is. But in terms of of uh, how it works in 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 the in this business, if you think of you know, because yes, in a, in a in an institution of higher learning, that's probably what you would think of as research. But in terms of a business, what is research? Market data, uh, it can't I mean, be. St- still no. data, I think. But like looking at what works and what doesn't. Yeah, but like I mean, in terms of you know how the how they're going to use research to make yeah, money. Yeah, they're going to use it to like how can how can we create more like products and services that can you know benefit our consumers? Maybe. Uh, I have yeah. no idea, bro. I'm just well, throwing, I'm just throwing stuff out there. Well, uh, so essentially, <laughs> uh, research is used. To, so remember how we said that the second highest uh, 
the second largest single or the second largest individual source of funding with state appropriations uh, at sitting at 26% of A&M's budget in 2018. A lot of that money from the state comes in the form of state grants. Mm. Um, A&M is one of the two universities that's part of the Puff Fund, the Public University Fund, us and uh, University of Texas in Austin. And so uh, a lot of those grants come from the state government for specific research. And so what the university does is they, so students, let's say, you know, you're a student, you don't, you can't find a job because you got a degree in communications uh, and you... I already got a job. I'm not worried about it. It's, if okay. I went to college for a job, I would see. Here's the thing: the job that I have, if I graduate from A&M and I have the ring, I will be good. That is the thing that is good. It does not matter what I did in college. That is why I chose this path, and also because my advisor was like, "Yo, communications is easy." Is easy. But to be honest, I kind of hate it. I hate English because it's so subjective. But. Um, like, I would prefer, like, math. Like, I would choose math over this, what no, I have done. I would. No, I, I would. I don't believe you. I, I actually enjoy math way more than I enjoy this that I'm currently doing. But yeah, I'm, 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 I mean, I'm Way to defend committed. yourself, you know. I like that. Thank I you. I mean, I, that's true, though. That's definitely, that's the way that I feel. Yeah, that feel being <laughs> the In my heart. There. Deep within my heart. Yeah. My, I think that that statement my is, uh, is only true because you're sit- stating it from a position of ignorance. <laughs> what <Anyways>. is <laughs> That you would like math more than what? What? What's the furthest math course you took? Like one forty one. Wait, what? The 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 math the furthest the last math course you took? Did you take one forty one? I took um I don't, I mean logic technically counted. Oh, philosophy two forty. No, 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 it, it was a it was straight up it was a math class. it was a blend it was like um it was the logic where it's like the um it's like you know you do like the like modus ponens and modus tollens and all that stuff. It's like the actual, like, you know what I'm talking about, right? No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> well, you know, it's it's a, it's like a, it's a math-based logic. It's it's actually very interesting, but um, I, I've taken math like that, but well, I did enjoy it when I was in that class. Okay. And I think it's because I enjoy that it's, that it's like strictly like there isn't it. Two plus two is four. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hate that it's like. I can write the same paper in two different classes and one teacher loves it and one teacher hates it. You know what I'm saying? It's completely subjective in English. Yeah. Well, anyway, where were we going with this? I, you're the one that... Well, Puff yeah, y- y'all Puff are... Fund. Puff Fund, yes. Public Universities Fund. So anyway. Um, but anyway, so the Puff like Fund... Research yeah, research. That's right. That's where I was going. Yeah, okay. can't get a job. So, oh, yeah. Jerk. So anyway, <laughs> so some students that can't get jobs... Uh, or maybe don't want to get jobs, the university says, hey, why don't you become a graduate student and work with this person who's getting their PhD and that is applying for this grant, right? You know, do this do this research. It'll give the university money. We'll, of course, take our cut. And then we'll give you some money so that you can have a job. And you know what? We'll, we'll discount your tuition. And, you know, you can work these hours and do this work for the university. Maybe you'll teach this professor's class who has tenure because they don't actually want to do anything. And, uh, and 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 it'll be all good. So that's how that, in a nutshell, is how a lot of research is why a lot of research gets done. You know, the university gets these people to apply for these grants so that the university can get money, and then they take some of it and then give the rest of it to you for to do you know whatever research. Now, I will say, and those people I, turn into teachers. Yes, and those people they turn teach into you teachers. Marxism. Just cycles. 
Anyway, I will say, and I should have probably made this disclaimer a lot earlier, I am going to college, so I am not anti-education by any means. Uh, I think that uh, education can certainly be good, but I just think that I just want people to know generally what they're getting into when they uh, sign up for a degree. But anyway, so that's how universities make money from research, uh, just people applying for grants or for some other sort of funding, whether it's from the government or from a private institution, uh, they can make a lot of money from research. And a lot of good has come out of that research. A lot of it is really good. But when you get into very non-technical areas of study, like you know gender studies or like um, things that involve critical race theory, uh, which is a whole nother podcast in and of itself. But my eyes we've, twitching. We've had like, you know, five different podcast subs, subsets within this one. Yeah, Con- we, we, content creation. Yeah, honestly, I would like to go into some of the other stuff in a different podcast. I would be down to talk about some critical race. Honestly, thing. the one that we didn't record the other day. Yeah. That was that would have been We're great. not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about it. It hurt. Anyways. Anyways, so universities make lots and lots of money and don't pay taxes on any of it. That's all to say, you know, what is the real purpose of universities? The real purpose of universities, what they claim and what they portray to the public is that they are contributing to society by educating the members of society, right? Now, if you look at the products of universities, are the people that come out of universities the most educated people in society? Educated in a general sense. Not always. Not always. No, we have a lot of, it's a very specific type of education. Yeah, it, it, it's not It's not really educated in a general sense. There are a lot of people And sometimes it's not very practical. Yeah, exactly. Oftentimes. Yeah, a lot of times you have the biggest idiots come out of universities. That's why people will be like super smart at engineering, but they have no common sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. And, and so, I, and I think, I think engineering is one of the like the best degrees you can get, in terms of like actually learning something from college. Probably. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not here today to suggest a sort of solution. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not super well versed in all of this stuff. I, I don't know a ton about it. But one thing that I do think could help it's is okay. You're eloquent. Oh, thank you. Makes up for it. Yeah, if, as long as you sound nice, then it doesn't really matter what you're saying. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and that's actually yeah. a good metaphor for universities because they that's portray true. this thing to the public. It's Eloquence. Like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're helping society. We're contributing. Yeah. When really it's one of the longest running scams that's ever <laughs> been in our, been yeah. going on in our country. Ponzi scheme. Yeah. The mafia ran a scam in New York and in a bunch of other countries, but eventually... You know, they got caught and because people caught on and the public went and as soon as public opinion turns against you. Yeah, you're done. Then you're done. Yeah. It's only a matter of time before the, the law catches up and finally does something about it and gets rid of it. But that's not the case with universities because the public has not caught on yet. And again, I'm not anti-education, but I do think it would be a good idea if universities, first of all, the funding issue needs to be fixed. Uh, we need to figure out some way. And, and the answer is not free college, by the way. Because that's only going to compound yeah. the problem. If if universities are like thinking, oh, let's raise tuition if the government's going to back their money, back their their loans. If they're going to say we're going to pay everybody's tuition no matter what, the problem is going to be exponentially worse. I've had them college be like, please. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you're a stockholder or if you're a shareholder in Texas A&M University or any university, you definitely would like that because it would just mean more money for you. Can you be a stockholder? I don't now? think so. I think it's. Or, or, I mean, it could be privately traded. Well, yeah. I mean, there are people that I just mean yeah, generally like, people yeah. that have financial interests. Let me hop interests. on Robin Hood real quick. <laughs> Buy me a share A and M. Yeah, that'd be uh, kind of cool. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! You work for me, teacher. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to give me a good grade. 
I own one five hundred and thirty second of a share of ADIP. I I agree. I agree. But uh, another thing I think that might help is if colleges had a money back guarantee about getting you a job. Because just think about this money for a back guarantee. That's yeah, kind of cool. It's a it's an insane. Concept. Yeah, I, I want to refund. Just, just think about it this way. Uh, let's say universities had to give all your money back if you couldn't get a job at the end of the, your four-year degree, right? Uh, let's say that they cost a little bit less, but it's still around $100,000 for a four-year degree, right? What would universities have to do if that was the that partner with Partner with businesses, they would partner, partner with, with people. So they'd have, to do, yeah, they'd have to do a lot of different things. They'd, yeah. have to, they'd have to streamline, so they'd have to cut a lot of costs, right? So a lot of amenities would be gone, so that, that would you know give them less reasons to raise tuition. They would have to to cut a lot of programs. So programs that they would have to only offer programs that, that would be effective. That would be effective in getting people jobs. So they, they would only offer so my degree. So gone. Com- communications gone. Sorry, brother. The whole liberal arts department. Yes. In fact, it's actually interesting. People, a lot of people don't even know this, but originally in universities, liberal arts. Uh, in, in fact, it's actually kind of in the name. Liberal arts were never u- degrees that were intended to give people jobs. Yeah, it was intended for people that were rich to just study things. That's why it's called liberal arts because yeah. it's not it's not for a job. It's just it's it's about it's about art, you know. Not really anymore. But you know, we've they've now tried to make it to where like, oh yeah, you can get a job with liberal arts degree. But yeah, you can work for the college and teach people the exactly. same thing. Liberal arts. Exactly. <laughs> it's like it's a it's like a little cult. Yeah, it's a. I've noticed that some of the kids that I'm like watching in class, because I, I mean, because I don't agree with a lot of things that they say, so it's kind of funny to be like. Because the teachers say things like everybody agrees with them. And then I'm sitting there like, and then like me and the one kid from the core in the class <laughs> disagreeing with the teacher. Honestly, bro, that kid has been roasting the Marxist, like hardcore. Like he'll be like, wouldn't that cause inflation? And the teacher's like, well, you know, <laughs> not always. And he's like, and they're, they're talking about like co-ops and stuff. And he's like, teacher, if co-ops aren't effective and like, Everybody's using capitalism, and it's more expensive to do a co-op. Then why would we do co-ops? He's like, well, you know, it's good. If you can produce something, and it costs you, like, if it costs you twice as much Mm -hmm. to produce something, why would I buy it from you? Because you're going to sell it for more. Yeah. And the teacher's like, well. It's honestly really funny. I really had to say anything because of that kid. It is what it is. I think, think though, that with the money-back guarantee, I feel like, of course, with people, there's always going to be somebody that's going to try to exploit it. I think if they can say that, look, you got an offer. Now, of course, that can also be exploited too. Like they can be like, "Oh, give him an offer." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I think that'd be like a good idea because I feel I th- like there'd be some way to like strike a balance. But honestly, though, this is what this is what I think is different because I feel like from from the communication aspect, what was what was what's promised is I don't think a job is necessarily promised. I think what's promised is an education. And it's assumed that an education will get you a job. Mm-hmm. I think that they're not necessarily promising, oh, you'll get a job, you'll get a job, you'll get a job. But they say you'll get an education. And the assumption is, in turn, you'll get a job. And so I feel like yeah. that, you know, they're not, you know, promising the result <coughs> because they don't want to be like, quote unquote, liable. But that's probably it. Yeah. But I mean, you got what you got. You know what I'm saying? You got an education. But I mean, which I mean, an education. Is different for everybody. Because I remember my grandma, she's like, oh, you need education. I'm like, so you want me to go off and, like, you know, learn, you know, something that doesn't really matter? You know what I'm saying? Communication. Yeah, you can get an education, but are you educated in something that will actually be profitable or, you know, practical? 
Yeah, and I think there's actually an answer for that. I think what universities should do, and this is what some universities used to do, and some programs still do this, but I think that you should be able to take classes that are, you know, not strictly profitable, but more educational, like a lot of what we ended up taking in our core curriculum that has nothing to do with our degree. I think you should be able to take those, and it's a separate cost from the from the refundable. Yeah, amount. exactly. Especially because I feel bad for you for students because the first couple of years, first what two years, is all just core. Yeah. And then you get to your actual major, like the last two years or whatever. I mean, yeah. that, I think that's like the most backwards thing in the world. Well, the idea is them saying, hey, we're educating the public. So they're like, let's teach them all this core stuff first. And yeah. then let's teach them this specific thing. Which, which but like, I, I've, I've taken math classes that I'm never going to use again. Exactly. Which, and you're paying for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which you have to. Yeah, exactly. It's mandatory. And so I think they're not really promising, like, they're promising education, but that's a very wide net. Yeah. And they're giving you that is an education. You know what I'm saying? Technically. Yeah. But, but honestly, I would, I honestly would like to see almost like an apprenticeship type of institution, but that's, you know, let's say, let's say a business or whatever a company says, all right, really like this, but like, let's say in five years, we know that we're going to need to hire some people or like, let's say within the next five years, let's take these kids out of high school and then, you know, maybe have like a separate kind of thing to where we're teaching them. This is how we're doing. This is what we do. X, Y, Z. It's trade school. It is trade school, but for more technical aspects. Like, let's say, what if you had a trade school for engineering? What if you had a trade school for, I mean, this kind of goes into, like, apprenticeship. Like, you can't do this, but, like, a trade school for vet. A trade vet school. Which, actually, Gilbert was telling me that he could he could learn under his sister and do the same thing she's doing. Without having to go to school? Yeah, he may not know all the technical aspects and things like that. But, I mean, you know, with time, of course. Now, would you want somebody doing that on your dog? Maybe, maybe not. Probably I mean, not. it just depends on depends on who it is. Some people don't yeah. care. Some uh, people do care. Dude, she went to school for like nine years, I think. Yes. It was a long time. And we were talking about a lot of stuff was just busy work. A lot of yeah. stuff was just stuff that was just like just being there and things like that. But honestly, like a trade vet school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that if somebody says, and then then you can even make it to a look. You can be here for a year, and it's like the first year is less or whatever. And yeah. so then I if, mean, you, you, if you turn out you don't like it, then just go somewhere else. Honestly, that'd be cool because if you could do something like, oh, yeah, study for a year and then you can be like um, essentially like a nurse yeah. for, for a vet, right? Yeah. Like something like a lesser vet. And mm. then like the more that you're there, the more that you can do. Yeah. Or maybe even like specialties. Like if you're just going to do dogs, then. Yeah, just, work, just yeah. strictly on dogs. And then if you turn out like, oh, like, oh, I've 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 never been around animals or I've never been around, you know, big animals or I never dissected one. I just think that dogs are cute. So I'm going to go to vet school. And so then you get in there, you see what it really is, and then you're like, all right, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, you don't then have to you waste go somewhere two else. Years. Then you have to waste, you know, all that, and then you don't have to, you know, well, now, I, about, oh, now I have to get my master's and something else because, yeah. you know. Oh, maybe does my does my transfer or yeah. my credit transfer yeah. over and all that. And so I feel like there's a lot of things that, there's some things like, all right, now a doctor, would I want a doctor that didn't go to school? Probably not. You know what I'm saying? No. So I understand there are certain aspects and certain things that, you know, would require that and that would be, you know, necessary. But I feel like in a lot of things, uh, let's take insurance, for example. I mean, that's kind of like not really doesn't apply. But um, anyway, just certain things that I feel like a trade school kind of um, structure would be really good, especially you get the actual like you see what is actually done. So you have like people teaching a certain subject that they're not like people teaching a business class and never own a business. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense to me, but I mean, it's 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 theoretical. And so if yeah. you go to an actual business, like, look, this is how we're doing it. This is how we're actually making money. We're not making money because of this, this, and this. This is what we need help in. This is what, you know, needs work. This is what you can do to, you know, 
come in and actually aid. I think that'd be a lot more beneficial than theoretical classes. There's one, uh, there's one space where that's actually kind of happening, and it's a uh, it's coding actually. There's a lot of coding yeah, like to your programs, yeah. and and another thing that they do that I think universities should also do, uh, and this would make like a money back guarantee sort of thing more viable too, is that they vet um, the applicants significantly more than universities do. Yeah, and so if, if universities were to significantly vet you know, have much more rigorous standards for who who is able to go, then it would be more viable to be able to uh, give a money-back guarantee. Because, you know, if we don't just let any guy who had a, you know, who was in the top 10% of their class or who, you know, was able to scrape by under holistic review, if we don't just, like, let anybody in, and I'm not saying that anybody can get into a and I'm just talking about college in general. Yeah. If we don't just let anybody in, then obviously we're going to have much higher chances of having graduates that can get jobs and like coding programs that they do that they they have those money back guarantees and but you know their standards are more rigorous they work closely with businesses to place their graduates and they vet their applicants so that they're not just letting in guys that aren't going to do any work well i like also like about coding people or coding people like i know this one guy he um he has an institution to where of course he partners with like like five coding businesses or five software companies and they uh, he asked them like all right what specifically like what language of coding do y'all use and then like what kind of direction are y'all going and so he takes that and then he's like look these are the companies this is what they're uh, using like what do you want to learn and so if somebody's using r then they'll specifically like go towards that direction and they'll only teach them that they won't teach them all right here's the basics of every single coding thing and this is why we do everything and then when you go to a company then you'll learn the specifics is that joe no, no, this is some other guy. He's, like, in California. Doesn't, doesn't Joe do something like that? Kind of, yeah. He, he like, yeah. teach, teach he, kids? Uh, yeah, he's along those lines, too. But um, that's, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. But his is more, they actually have a job. And what they're doing is they're learning on the job. Yeah. And yeah. so then they can take that, and now they have this. It's not necessarily, it's in education, but you get educated on your job. And so, yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. It's, but they, I like the, when they reverse the, like, all right, what specifics, and then you learn the specifics. Yeah. Because really, that only takes, it doesn't take that long to learn. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if you're, like, indulged in that. And so I feel like the whole educational process has been just stretched. Yeah, as far it, as it's it, absolutely as far been as stretched. Be. Because they're trying to find every area that they can add in more reasons for more costs. Yeah. And more reasons for more funding. So it's, it's all about money. It's not, it's not about really about educating you. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, we live in a capitalist system, so it has to be that way. And that's why I think that the answer of, making some sort of system where it guarantees you a job and where it's set focused around the job, uh, it, I think that, that that would be a, a really good step towards fixing a lot of the problems that we see. But also, a lot of people also just view college as a cultural, like the, the thing that you're supposed to do, yeah. and, that, and that's why they go. It's not necessarily because they want a job, but um, I think maybe we should take universities that are really big, and of course universities wouldn't do this because it would mean less money, but separate out the different parts. So like, May's business school that I'm a part of, right? Make that its own institution. Yeah. Right. And so instead of having to go and take, you know, a bunch of, you know, international cultural diversity classes, I can just take my business classes and yeah. be done in two years and then get a job. Yeah. Because two years of experience in the real world is significantly more oh, valuable than, you know, two more. years of me studying international, uh, like theater and, uh, you know, like, Western dress and society, you know, they really, they really do classes. push the, um, I think it's interesting that they make you do like, um, university core curriculum. No, not cores. I'm talking about like, um, prerequisites, electives, electives. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Cause like I took Japanese traditional performing arts. Nice. And while I enjoyed it, it was cool. 
had nothing to do with nothing mostly, to do with mostly, communication yeah. at all. But yeah. it was something that I had to, like I had to take some sort of something like that. Yeah. And the idea behind that is, oh, give you some real world experience, like yeah. make you more, make you more rounded as a person. But when am I ever going to use that? Yeah. Like I think that it's cool. Like some of the like Japanese aesthetics of like ma, which is like space between things or space around things to like emphasize the thing. Like that's cool. But I mean, yeah. like it'll be cool to me. But then, like, when it comes to the real world, you're not going to use yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not going to use it very often. Yeah. I mean, I'll use it if I'm going to be like graphic designing and I want to like oh, put if space that, around something to emphasize that, something. I mean, you can learn graphic designing without yeah. learning. And, yeah, no, you, you <laughs> I mean, people, I'm saying like people, they'll understand the idea of that without yeah. having to study. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, it's, it's, it's actually theater like, at the you same know, time. You can, you can learn that. Me, me personally, and I have a point I want to get back to real quick, but me personally, I think that country people are some of the smartest people in the world. Who? Country people. Oh, yeah. Rednecks? Like, yeah, not rednecks, but like people that work on ranches and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, that yeah. literally any problem, they can solve it. It's because what they have is 100% common sense. Yeah. That's what they have. That's that's the difference. They don't have the higher education, in quotation marks. They have straight common sense. Mm-hmm. Like, Bo, Bo will solve any problem you have. Literally. Yeah. Like, he may not, like, they may not know, like, why does the engine fire the way it fires and yeah. what kind of chemical balance is it? But they know yeah, that, you he's know. Like, yeah, if I, if I, Use a wrench here and, you know, yeah. hit it with a hammer here, then it works. Yeah. But um, the point you made about it being a cultural thing, my grandma was really adamant because she wanted me to go to college. Because, you know, back then in her day, when, uh, you know, if you're black and you didn't go to school, then you weren't doing squat. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. the best you can do. And she was a woman, too. And so, like, she didn't want to be just at the home or whatever. She was, like, one of those women. But, um... So she, of course, went to school, and then she got a secretary job for the government. And so then, like, but she's, like, really proud that she, like, she went to school, and she finished school as a black woman. And so she tried to put that on me and say, like, you need to go to college. You need to get your education. Like, that's the only way you can make it in life. And I was like, the times are different now. I mean, especially with, like, you know, the rise of the Internet and, you know, information is readily available very easily or much easier than, you know, what it was. But also you have things that are more technical and more, um, like, Everything I did is self-taught. And so if I can still provide a benefit to somebody, you know, and I can, you know, just learn on my own, I was like, I'm just going to do that. And what I wanted to do at the time, which is what I'm doing now, I didn't need to go to school for it. I mean, you know, so, but she tried to put that on me, like, I won't make it. And, you know, even now, if I call her, she's like, how's your job? You know, are you still there? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just like, it's always that, you know. But, I mean, it is what it is. But there's there's been a big shift in, you know, Oh, you, my mom went to school, so I have to go to school. And, you know, they went to school, so I have to go to school because that's what they put in them because, you know, I went to school, so that's how I make it. So you have to go to school. Is that the same grandma that you watched uh, Dragon Ball Z at her house? Uh, it wasn't her house. It was my great aunt. Yeah, that was different. Uh, yeah, different. Okay. Her sister. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great point, though, that you bring up is because, like, for a lot of people, like our parents' generation, it, it, well, even, well, even – by our parents' generation, it was even already starting to degrade. But as universities, like we said, have stretched out their education and have, have become these kind of huge masses of just, like, excess, uh, they've produced a lot more students because they are, you know, are able to have more students because the government pays for all student loans. Uh, they're able to they, – they produce more students, which means more of these students end up not having jobs. So used to, you go to college, you get a job. Now you can go to college – you know, let's say you apply, you don't know what you want to do, you're 18 years old, you apply under some like psychology, right? Psychology, in general, across the country, is the number one degree 
that people don't get a job in that field with just an undergraduate degree. Yeah. An undergraduate degree in psychology almost guarantees that you're not going to get a job in the field of psychology if you only do a, a bachelor's degree of psychology. So, you know, for our generation now, you know, you can go to college and ve- unless you pick a technical degree, it's very easy to not get a job because there are so many people that have college degrees that have nothing to do with any practical skill. It's like an yeah. oversaturated market. Literally. Yeah, and it's exactly what it is. And that's why I told my grandma, I'm like, look, in your day, like, it was rare for, you know, oh, a black woman, a young black woman has a degree. Like, wow, she must be, you know, something. But nowadays, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, no disrespect, but a lot of people have degrees. And so the, the idea of, like, that's a rare commodity has dwindled a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was a big factor in people, like, Oh, then I'll give you a job because you've proved yourself. You know what I'm saying? And and what Josiah said earlier in the podcast about having the ring and the degree and he's good, that even for our generation, that's still to some extent true because mm-hmm. even if you do get a college degree, you're still, no matter what it is, you're still in the top 25% of of applicants in terms of, you know, jobs that require a four-year degree. Yeah. You know, because a lot of jobs, it's a prerequisite. If you don't have a bachelor's degree, they're not going to look at your resume. Uh, and I, th- I think that's changing a lot now, but for our generation, it's still true that if you have a business degree, uh, if you have a degree that's at least somewhat technical, it's much easier for you to get a job. Yeah. Uh, of course, it, you know, for our children's generation or for our grandchildren's generation, that could be totally different. It could be the case that going to college uh, does not advantage you in any way. There could be more trade schools, more different programs that can train you. It's more about actual practical knowledge and what you know and what you're yeah. able to do. That's the thing, though, with, with what I'm doing it for. It's all about the like the uh, relationships. Like, I mean, in insurance, I mean, it's about p- knowing people. You know, here in College Station, having an Aggie ring is a big, big deal. It opens a lot of doors that would have been closed otherwise. And so that's why it's important for me to get the ring. It's, I mean, it's literally about relationships. It's not about the degree. Yeah. And so I think also, though... I think a big shift too is so this is what coding does is for their application they just say hey look let me see either what you've programmed or program something from real quick honestly and so they, that's how they showcase like who they give that's like, cool yeah like actually like doing honestly bro like a woodworking school and they're like hey come in build us something mm-hmm. we'll see if you're in yeah that's cool yeah and then that's how they you know I mean, they may look at them, you know, as like what they look like or whatever. But a lot of stuff is remote too, so like they don't really care. Yeah, You're just like look, just here. And honestly, those type of people who are very practical and like we're gonna get you a job, they don't care what someone looks like. Yeah, exactly. Like if you get the it's, job done, like exactly. That's you know. Yeah. But I mean, that's another topic. But I mean, if it's about really about getting the job done, and so if you have a degree and you can't get the job done, if you have a degree and you can't get the job done, I mean, it just it doesn't really matter. And so honestly, the people that care about what people think or what people look like the most, are the people that say, oh, we don't care what people look like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm talking about, like, like people in the country, like you are talking about, mm-hmm. working on, they don't care what someone looks like. If yeah. you don't know how to dig fence posts, then good. Yeah. You know, like, sure, you're on my team. Exactly. But, like, you gotta, you know, I'm chilling in there in class, and they're talking about, I mean, the people who are talking about critical race theory, why? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think, I think it honestly, it comes down to the bottom line, because there's, there's a sense of that in, in every business, there's a sense of, look, can you get the job done? Yes or no? Now, what that objective is, is can be different, right? And so if somebody's like, look, it is what it is, but we need somebody that looks like our, you know, our workers, because that's how they relate to the, our, the management. And so 
then if you're if you look like this, beyond like this, you're not gonna get the job done for what they want. Mm-hmm. But if it's coming to strictly like practical, like your skills and what you can do, that's when I think it gets like, look, I really don't care. Can you can you make my website or can you? Um, I don't know. I'm going blank, but for what I do, can you make a video that looks cool? Mikey, you should learn how to code, and then we should go into business together. I thought about that. That'd be pretty cool. I honestly, um, I honestly, Genesis tried to get me into um, uh, what's it called? Um, Data science. Mm, yes. Do yeah. It. Do it. And so I've been thinking about that. Look, I want to, I, I want to, I want to, you know, make sure that, you know, what I'm doing now, I want to get that off the ground. Okay. And then, but I'm, I'm very, Side um, gig. yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in that. Um, you write a program. I'll, I'll market it for you and sell it for yeah? you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll think about that. I, I got some connections. Yeah, you do. That's true. Yeah, I do. That's true. Um, I also think it'd be very cool to create an, an educational institution. <laughs> that that partners with businesses and says, look, I say we take them from high school. Say so take them from high school. I look, um, especially those that aren't really involved in extracurriculars because I feel like they're kind of like pushed to the wayside by the school. Yeah. Um, like, look, uh, we have some young guys here. Let them just like come here and watch. I mean, honestly, dude, teaching them how to interact with people. Exactly. It's all. It's all. It all comes full circle. And and like, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, we want to take them to chicken e, but I mean, like yeah. some. Good jobs, you know what I'm saying? Honestly, that kind of stuff is good though. Like, like a it is especially when you're in high school. It is a job like that that really grounds you. That's true, but of course, nobody wants to be there forever, right? No, 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 and no. And so, but but I'm I enjoyed the little time I did there. True, but but some people like they look at that like, look, this is all I have to like. This is it, like you know, this is they see older people working there, like look, this I guess I have to be a chicken eat, you know, you know what I'm saying? Or which is whack, bro? Yeah, I, they I, think I can never be a chicken eat. Either be a chicken eat or go to college, and that's not that's not the um, decision you have to make. Yeah, I think that what Joe does is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to take that a step further, but he he does it to where those are his own businesses. Yeah, I like to do it where you partner with other businesses, I partner with other companies, and by look, we have these young guys in. They may not, you know, it may waste your time, quote unquote, but in return, you get to see some talent or whatever that could provide some benefit. But I don't know. I think that'd be really cool to have, and you can have it to where. You're lean, so you, Joe has those businesses are his, so he has to still remain profitable. I mean, it's nonprofit, but I mean, he still has to, you know, yeah, make no, some money. You know, still make yeah. profit, but he still has to make sure, like, look, if you're not doing the job, but anyways, but um, but if you can make to where you're lean to where it's other businesses, you can you don't need anything really. Just talk to people and connections. That's something I'm down to do soon. Oh, I'm very because I think that'll be very cool. I so mean, we are going to be the solution. Or at least my Well, case. yeah, I mean, I mean, you don't want to just, like, dog on, you know, all these problems. You know what I'm saying? No, I mean, I'm just saying, like, if you're going to do that, like, that's that's cool. Yeah. That's, that's, like, good on you, bro. And I can, I can use my own story. Look, man, I didn't go yeah, to college. It, came, was, it I, was hard. I came from nothing. It was hard. My grandma was on my back. I used to live in the suburbs. <laughs> yeah. Say my sob story. That doesn't exist. But, yeah, this was this was good. Yeah, it was good. This was good. Yeah, I agree. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, of course. Um you are the most eloquent man. You're you're easily top three. Thank you. And I, I probably haven't been around long, you know, but easily top three. I think that should say something. Uh, Mikey. Yeah. I think you're forgetting something. Song of the week, my dude. Well, you didn't say yeah, anything. Yeah, I was even. I knew about that. You yeah. didn't say anything. Yeah, Brandon knew about that. Well, yeah. Push the button. What am I? I'm about to say. What am I supposed to say? Like, oh yeah, this. Um, I went first on the anecdote, so I don't think I should go first on. Just like you go first. Okay. Um, I'm gonna steal a little bit of Gilbert's ground and suggest an Eden song. Mm. So there's a song called "Wake Up" by Eden. 
and it's pretty good. It's about like this uh, this guy, and he's trying to like make a life for himself, and he's like gonna like go to America and be like a songwriter. And he's like, I mean, it's better in America. I heard the streets are made of gold. Like I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some money. And I'm gonna come get you. And she's like, don't leave. And like the whole song is going through, and it says like, who says you're one in a million? And then like at the very end of the song, she says like, you're so much better than that. Like the whole song, it makes you think like she's dogged on him. Yeah. But then, then she's like, no, 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 you're better than that. Like you're way better than a one in a million. Hmm. It's cool. It's cool. So a storytelling song. Yeah. And I got uh, Nikki. She doesn't like that type of music generic, yeah. like generally. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I told her the like the story behind it. And then we listened to it and she was like, that was good. Yeah. It's one of those songs. It changes. Yeah. It changes yeah. the way you perceive it. Yeah. Mine is a uh, Night on the Sun by Modest Mouse. There's no story behind it. It just sounds good in my opinion. It's like, it's a little bit of a rock vibe. Nice. It's, it's very different from my typical palette, but I was in a little band for a short minute in high school, and um, we played a song by Modest Mouse, and it became one of my favorite songs, um, because it's different when you actually play it with a band and, like, drums, and somebody has a bass, and somebody has a guitar, and, like, it's it's it's, Feels it's, nice, it's huh? different, bro, and then in the room that we were in, the acoustics were beautiful because it was really small. It was, about, it was about two sizes, two times this room. And so it was very small. The drums were right next to me. The bass guy was right next to me too. And then the guitar was in front of me and the amps were facing me. And so I was on the keys. And so um, when the drums hit, bro, it was different, bro. It, but yeah, so it turned into one of my favorite songs. So um, that kind of that kind of uh, fostered my rock palette. I like the one you suggested last time. It was cool. Oh, Broke by Sam Henshaw? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. I'm making a playlist, by the way, with all the songs that we suggest. That's cool. Yeah, I'll uh, maybe maybe later on we'll release it to the public. We might have to do that. Yeah, that'd be cool for a fee, for <laughs> <laughs> or just on Spotify for free. <laughs> um, my song is I don't know if y'all are, are either of y'all into funk music. Yeah, no, you're into funk music. Well, I mean, I I am open to that genre. Oh, okay. I like some stuff from it. I've gotten into it in the last year, but there is a. There's a guy who plays guitar. His name's Corey Wong. He used to play guitar uh, for Prince, actually, hmm. and uh, he's a he's a real he works with a lot of different funk groups. But there's a song, so he wrote the song. It's called "Rollover" by Corey Wong. It's on his MSP One album. Um, it's called "Rollover." It's featuring the Potash Twins, who are these two guys from Minneapolis. They're uh, kind of, it's like, they're two twins. One of them plays trombone. One of them plays trumpet, and they basically play the melody on those instruments. Um, but the song is narrated by Michael Bland. Uh, a lot of you probably know who Michael Bland is. Is it narrated? It's a narrated song. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So he's just talking. So he's talking. Alex. Yeah. So he's talking. So Michael Bland, he plays drums on that album, right, and in that song. But he's also Prince's drummer. He's pretty famous in funk circles and in Minneapolis, which is where funk is really big. But he uh, he's narrating the song. So what it is is it's like a phone call that he had with Corey Wong about him explaining, they, they wanted to collab on a song, right? And so, because they're like in a band together, right? So yeah. he, he plays drums for him. So he's like, they, they wanted to, to make this song. And so Michael Bland, is it's like a recording of the phone call. It's played over the whole song. And so what he does is he he like he like says what he wants Corey to do mm-hmm. in terms of, because Corey's a guitar player, right? He plays lead and bass. And so he's like telling him what to play. And like he's saying, and here I want like a trombone solo, and then the post comes in. Comes in. That's kind of clear. And then he sings the melody. He's because he sings the melody that he wants Corey. And to it's play. all sound like it's on the phone. And it's it's like somebody's on the phone. He's singing the melody, but then it's also being played by the trombone. So it's really sick. That sounds really cool. It's called Rollover by Corey Wong. Okay, 
Yeah. The most eloquent man I know just made me want to listen to a funk song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, funk is a very broad genre, so, you know, it's like jazz funk. Actually, I think that album is technically R&B and soul. Interesting. Interesting. That's what it's classified as. Cause, and it, it kind of does sound like R&B. All right, guys. Roll over two words, Corey Wong. You know, it's been good. Mikey, what's your inspiration point? Um... Eloquence is a skill acquired by time. We'll end on that. If you need to contact us, email us at the.casual.contact at gmail.com and leave us a review. It really helps out the show. Thanks a lot for listening.